wants us to focus on anything and everything except for your word. Dear Lord, give us the righteous mind, the conviction, the focus to give ourselves wholeheartedly to your word with the understanding uh, that if we give ourselves completely to your word, the only thing that we can become is better. Lord, I praise your name. I thank you. I love it for your goodness. These and all prayers we ask in your son Jesus' name we pray. Let us all say amen. Amen. And amen again. Um, so we have still been involved in this series entitled The Faith of the Pharisee. The subject, the, the, the premise of this study uh, has been to challenge us to consider this population, uh, this sect of the Jews, and to consider their behavior as it relates to our lives. Uh, just a quick recap, just a quick recap on some of the things that we have studied in this study thus far. Uh, you'll remember when we first started our study, our goal, uh, we were on step number two. And in step number two, what we were talking about was, and I, I was about to say, come on now. Uh, in step number two, what we were talking about, my brothers and my sisters, we talked about uh, the idea of how in our Christian walk and in our evolution and our growth in God, uh, we began to see how how the Lord is challenging us through the study of this population. He is challenging us through the study of this population. Y'all can tell that this thing is giving me the blues already. It's giving me the blues already. If you love the Word of God, say amen. amen. And I'm going to try this thing one more time, y'all. Um, but I'll give you a good idea of what we've been talking about. Our proof text, y'all turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We're going to uh, take, it, take it to the text. Take it to the text. Matthew chapter 5. If you love the word of God, say amen. Uh, when you get to Matthew chapter 5, I want you to look with me at verse number 20. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 20. The Bible says, therefore I say to you, uh, this is in the New American Standard Bible. He says, therefore I say to you uh, that unless, someone say unless, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, the Bible says you will not, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And what God is telling us is God is giving us this population of people as an indicator that if you can study their, their manifestation of righteousness, God wants us to know that he's calling us to better and he's calling us to higher. Now, it's not that we're looking at them to look down on them. It's not that we're looking at them to condemn them. But rather, it is important that we never fit, forget that those things were, that were written aforetime were written for our what? Absolutely. That is, God gives us the Word of God. And in giving us the Word of God, God gives it to us so that we can take what we learn and become better people. So on last time, we talked about the pharisaical mentality number two. And the item that we discussed was, listen, any mindset that causes a Christian to believe that they are above connecting intimately with any, I mean, any seeking person or sinner or in an, an, any uh, spoken or unspoken mentality that would, be con that would consider themselves as being above the lost. We talked about that because you'll remember last week that the Pharisees had a problem with Jesus because Jesus sat and ate with who? Who remembers who he sat and ate with? That's absolutely right. The publicans, tax collectors, and sinners. And they said, why is he sitting and eating with them? And I ask you, if we don't have a connection with the lost, how are we ever going to help the lost to get to know Jesus Christ? So one of, the, one of the problematic mentalities in people who follow Jesus Christ is if we lead ourselves to believe that, sometime, that somehow, some way, we are above connecting with the lost. If y'all get that, say amen. 
Remember our mission. Our mission is to be a light. Someone say light. We ought to be a light in the world that leads the lost of the world to the light of the world. And the light of the world is indeed Jesus Christ. We closed out this thought with a prayer. We said, Lord, uh, help us. Please remove any, any pharisaical tendencies from our heart. Anything uh, that would lead us to see humanity as anything except your harvest. Whenever you encounter people in the world, I don't care how they dress. I don't care how they act. I don't care what color they are. I don't care what their issues are, what their troubles are. Everybody you know needs Jesus. And if our minds look at people in any other way other than that we should be an advocate to help them get closer to Jesus, then we've got the wrong man mindset. And God is calling us to better. If y'all get that, say amen. amen. Keep that in mind as we progress into our lesson number three. If you're ready for tonight's lesson, say amen. Uh, tonight we're talking our third and final lesson in the series. We're talking about uh, his woes and our works. We've talked a number of things. We talked his word and our ways, uh, his mission, our misunderstanding. Tonight we're talking about his woes, his woes, I'm good, his woes and our works. If y'all still with me, say amen. Uh, this is coming from Matthew 23. Y'all turn there with me, if you will, Matthew 23. And in the 23rd chapter of Matthew, we're going to kick off at verse number 25. Our lesson is going to come from Matthew, the 23rd chapter, and verse number 25. Uh, there is so much to learn on tonight, really, really some good substance to help us grow. Uh, this lesson is our final lesson in the series, but I believe that this one has the power to do uh, the most important change in our lives. If you have verse number 25, say amen. Uh, verse number 25 is where we are. The Bible says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. If y'all see that, say amen. Uh, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. The word I really want you to notice is, is rather the phrase I want you all to notice on tonight is the phrase, Woe to you. Woe to you. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. woe to you. Now, it's that, that, that phrase is powerful and it's important. Anytime you see the word woe in the Bible, the Lord is doing us a favor. You see, the term woe uh, is a term of horror. It's an interjection. It is an exclamation. It is God's, uh, he is exclaiming in regards to grief or of denunciation. And he's talking about that. What he's talking about is condemnation criticism or scolding, it's kind of like God giving a very heavy-handed warning. It was when mama said, if you do it one more time, I'm going to beat the light out of you. And you was like, well, how would you beat the light out of you? Some of y'all look like you don't know what I'm talking about. Mama used to say, if you do it one more time, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to beat the life out of you. Not the light out of you, the life out of you. And you was like, you know what, that sounds like something. If I called somebody and told somebody, they'd come pick you up for that is what they'd come do. Uh, but essentially, that's a very heavy-handed remark. Mama's at a point where she's like, listen, I have had it up to here. If this stuff keeps going on, y'all gonna feel me in a very tragic way. So when God issues this concept of woe, this is God at his highest level of frustration with mankind. God is letting them know we must never forget, my brothers and my sisters, that vengeance belongs to who? And I'll tell you right now that we live in a world where, where, where people are playing with God. 
I'm just telling you, I'm at a place where I'm not in the business of playing with God. I'm not trying to play with God. I want to let God know I take him very, very serious, very serious. Uh, so God is issuing this war of horror to the scribes and the Pharisees. And the question you got to ask yourself is, how did we get here? We know for a fact that the relationship that exists between the scribes, the Pharisees, and Jesus Christ, it's not a pretty relationship. And it's not ugly because of Jesus. How many of you all know that Jesus came to the world because he loved the world? Uh, if there's any distance between us and God, it's not God that's causing the distance. Yeah, that's us. And I want you to know that anytime, anytime we get that feeling, and everybody's felt this feeling before, you ever felt that feeling where you feel like God, it feels like you're not there. Oh, God, it feels like I'm not with you. God would have you to know, son, daughter, I've never left you. If there's any space between us, it is 100% the case that you left me. If y'all get that, say amen. Uh, Matthew 21, verse number 33, to appreciate how we got there, you'd have to bounce all the way back. You'd have to bounce all the way back to the 21st chapter of the book of Matthew. In, in the 21st chapter of the book of Matthew, time's not my friend, but in Matthew 21, 33 through 46, you'll begin to walk towards why Jesus issues the woe. And in Matthew 21, verses 33 through 46, Christ speaks on a parable of how God would give the kingdom to the Gentiles. This parable was radical. This parable was offensive to the Jews. Uh, the Jews have always been God's people. But in this parable, you ought to read it, take a note. But in the 21st chapter of Matthew, verses 33 through 46, Jesus is talking to them, and he's telling them, through the parable, how he's going to give the kingdom to the Gentiles because the Jewish leaders and people were three things. Number one, they were negligent to his teachings. In other words, they were very flippant. They didn't care. They were abusive to his prophets. He had sent prophet after prophet after prophet, and all they have done is kill them and stone them and beat them. And last but not least, they were in opposition with the Son of God. And God knew always that, listen, there was going to come a point where the rejection of the Jews wouldn't be tolerated any longer. That's the reason why uh, you'll hear when the, Lord, when the Lord tells them that I will make you, I, I will make you my, my messengers and you will carry the message throughout the entire world. That is, the Lord's vision of the kingdom wasn't what humans felt. The humans of that time, the Jews of that time, felt that the kingdom was just going to stay in Jerusalem. But God knew better. God knew that his kingdom was bigger than anything that they had in their mind, and that's good for us because I'm so glad that the kingdom made it to Florida. If y'all get that, say amen. Absolutely. Uh, but, in the 30, but in the 21st chapter, verse 33 through 46, he gives them this, and naturally this offends them. This offends them. Look with me in Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. We're going to look looking together at verses 44, 45 rather, through 46. Matthew 21, verses 45 through 46. If you love the word of God, say amen. amen. The Bible says, listen, now when the chief priests and Pharisees heard his parables, this concept that the body of Christ, the kingdom of Christ, is going to be taken from us. When they heard his parables, the Bible says they perceived that he was speaking of them. They said, I think he's talking about us. No, no need to think about it. Oh, he's definitely talking about you. Uh, but when they heard it, they perceived he was talking about him. And the Bible says, but when they sought to lay hands on him, why is that? They wanted to hurt him for what he said. 
They sought to lay hands on him. They feared the multitude. Why? Because the multitude looked at Christ, and when they looked at Christ, they saw him as a prophet. If y'all know what I'm talking about, say amen. Uh, so this is profound because now what, what we have to realize is two things. Number one, the teachings of Christ is offensive to the Jewish leaders, but what they cannot deny and what every one of us needs to know is while they were offended by his teachings, it was undeniable that he'd had an impact on the listening audience. The people of the times listened to Jesus and his teachings were profound because he taught with authority, he had authority over evil, and he could heal sickness. He didn't talk about the Bible as a person who talks on behalf of one. He talked from the Word of God as if he was God himself. It was profound to listen to him. People were like, I I'm not sure. Maybe he is the one. And the thought of them calling this impoverished, this, this, this no-home-having son of a carpenter, our king, just drove the Jewish leaders crazy. If y'all still with me, say amen. So we find ourselves after, after that, he then gives them the marriage feast parable. Now, the marriage feast parable is found directly after that, chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. We're sliding straight on down. Chapter 22, he gives another parable, and this time, this parable speaks with equal condemnation. That is, he doesn't take back. He realizes at the close of chapter 21, they're upset because he's teaching the truth. So do you think he stops teaching the truth? Absolutely not. He goes straight to chapter 22, and in chapter 22, he goes right back in a continuation of making them realize that, listen, the kingdom is not your property, and you all do not have a monopoly on God because you can't put God in your box. If y'all get that, say amen. Well, uh, uh, this, this, this talk of, of, of equal frustration gathered their nerves. They realized we can't put hands on him, but what we can do is catch him in his words because the people love him because of his words. So if we catch him in his words, maybe they'll give up on him because they could not deny the power of his word. Uh, so you'll see at, the, at that chapter, verse number 15, chapter 22, the Bible says, then the Pharisees went and the Bible says, and plotted. Someone say plotted. They plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. We can't touch him. They love him. If we put our hands on him, they'll kill us. But if we can expose him to be the false teacher that we know he is, that we are assured he is, surely they will see the fraud in this Christ like we see the fraud in him, and they'll turn their backs on him. If y'all still with me, say amen. Well, this is important because now this changes things. Here, here's what we have. We, we, we start now, verse number 16. Uh, they work with the Herodians and the Sadducees. Now, now this combination is a very important group to study. Uh, uh, some historians believe that the Herodians and the Sadducees are one and the same. Uh, uh, interesting fact, whenever you talk about the Pharisees working with the Sadducees or the Herodians, I want you to appreciate that these two people don't have a commonality in their foundation. That is, the Pharisees cared nothing for the political. They only cared for the religious. The Sadducees, the Herodians, cared nothing for the religious. They only cared for the political. In fact, the reason why they were known as the Herodians is because it was their desire to keep Herod propped up. Meanwhile, the Pharisees, the Pharisees didn't care anything about Herod. They were looking for the day when the Messiah would come and they would remove Herod and they would restore the throne back to David. If y'all know what I'm talking about, say amen. 
So these, they don't come together, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They don't come together because they have a common foundation. No, they come together because they have a common enemy. And sometimes in life, people may not have nothing that they get along with or meet and agree on other than the fact that they don't like you. And otherwise, they may not have anything to do with each other. But since they both don't like you, well, we'll come together, and our commonality will be our desire to get rid of you. If y'all get that, say amen. Uh, we're pressing forward still. Uh, here's a fun fact that you should know. Not only did they work with the, the, with, with, with the Herodians, but here's a fun fact that even after their first entangle with Jesus Christ, they encountered the teachings of Jesus Christ, and they were even impressed. I'm talking about the Pharisees. Watch, watch, if you will, chapter 22, verse number 22. Chapter 22, verse number 22. If you love the word of God, say amen. Uh, chapter 22 and verse number 22, we are, we're at the part where the Pharisees have just concluded questioning him about is it lawful to pay taxes. His answer was so profound, the people were very impressed. But the Bible says when they, when they, even the Pharisees, when they heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. Now, what you would think is, what you think is, is that they realize, listen, every attempt we try to overthrow this man, Jesus, he constantly comes back. It's as if he cannot be stopped. We cannot stop him in his good deeds. We cannot stop him in his loving acts. We cannot stop him in his kindness. And now we cannot stop him in his words. And now, for the first time, something you haven't seen throughout the first 21 verses, the Pharisees actually admit that they're impressed by him. They listen to him teach, and they're like, man, there's something about him. I don't know what it is. So they left. They went their way. Someone say they left. Well, watch as we go a little further. You see, after this, uh, Jesus questions them about the reference of, uh, 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 or rather, the, the, then the Sadducees come. I'm ahead of myself. The Sadducees come. So the Pharisees, they try him, they fail. Sadducees say, y'all get out of the way. Sadducees say, we come because y'all gave up, but we're tag teaming. We'll come in there. Sadducees come. Sadducees try. They come. They fail. And amazingly, now the Pharisees are back. They realized they couldn't beat him before. The Pharisees come back again. This time, they're going to try to catch him and trip him up on what's the greatest commandment. This is found in the 34th verse of chapter 22. Y'all look there with me. It, trust me, trust me, we'll be where you want me after a while. If you love the word of God, say amen. Uh, chapter 22, chapter 22, stay with me. Chapter 22, verse number 34, the Bible says, but when the Pharisees, someone say Pharisees, when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, Paris, Herod, Herodians try, he shut them down. Pharisees try, shut them down, which is impressive because that's supposed to be the experts of the law. Sadducees try, he shuts them down. Then the Pharisees decide, we're going to try him one more time. Pharisees come. Then one of them, a lawyer, steps up with his degree and his haughty tautiness. Amen, I'm by myself. Yeah, he steps up and he says, I uh, asked him a question, testing him. In other words, he's trying to trip him up, saying, listen carefully, teacher, what's the great commandment in the law? What's the number one commandment? Jesus said to him, I'll tell you, you shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. He then goes on further to say, he says, this is the first and great commandment. 
The second, someone say second. The second is like it. I love that because now he says that commandment is number one. He's going to speak way over the head. Listen carefully. That commandment is number one. I'm going to give you number two, but I'm telling you the number two is just like the number one. Yeah, you think about that. That'll blow your mind right there because we don't even operate like that. That's why we have gold and silver. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's the reason why uh, uh, Ricky Bobby says, if you ain't first, you're last. If y'all know what I'm talking about, say amen. Uh, well, he says the first is, and great commandment, the second is like it. What does he say? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, put these together, hang all the law and the prophets. That is, God is teaching us something that we already know. We're past the parable stage, and that is God is telling us, if you love him, you will obey his. But then God says, don't tell me you love me if y'all don't like each other. If we can't get along in this room, if you're in this room and you're like, I can't stand that preacher, then you can't love the Lord because you can see me. Come on now, you can see me. Y'all still with me? Say amen. So he challenges them now. He asks them this phenomenal question. It is a, it's a tough one. And because of this, because of this, what happens now is that now his audience, those who would try to contend with him, now they are forever silenced. They don't want any part of debate with him any longer. In the book of Matthew, we're still in Matthew, we're at chapter 22. We're looking at verse number 46. The Bible says, and no one, listen, no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day on did anyone dare question him anymore. That is, Jesus says, bring me the best you've got, humans, and try to stop me. And they came time after time after time, and he just dropped them like flies, like flies, like flies. That's the reason why, I don't know about you all, but I ain't in the business with fussing with God about nothing. I don't know why people get sick. I don't know why storms come. I don't know why troubles in my life. I don't know why I have problems. I don't know why you've got problems. I don't know why she got sick. I don't know why he got shot. I don't know why that happened to her. I don't know why that happened to him. I don't know why his mama molested him. I don't know why he was robbed. I don't know why they stole his car. But I know enough to know that God knows, and God knows more than I know. And since God knows what I don't know, I trust what God knows, and I know that's all I need to know. Amen. I will not say that again. <laughs> so, everybody's done. No more words. And sometimes that's where we need to be. Because, you see, in their silence, my brothers and my sisters, in their silence, he then spends the entirety of Matthew 23, whole chapter trying to warn the people about the Pharisees. You ever had somebody love you, try to tell you about somebody? Sister Jones took my, my son and my daughter to uh, PTA tonight, so I'm going to tell y'all something. If it leave this room, I'm going to deny every bit of it. <laughs> when I was in high school, I used to date a girl. I ain't going to tell you her name. I'm going to say her initials. M.T. is all I'm going to say. M.T. M.T. I used to date M.T. And my daddy, my daddy had been living on the earth a lot longer than me. My daddy told me, hey, son, I'm going to tell you something. You don't need to mess with M.T. 
And um, Lord, we got live stream. I done said that thing. Good grief. Help me. Jesus, oh, Lord, have mercy. We've come a long way. We've come a long way, if you're watching. We've, we've all come a long way. Uh, so my daddy said, you don't need to date uh, VL. VL. We do VL. We don't need VL here. All right? My daddy said, don't do that. Don't do that. And I got mad with my daddy. I got mad with my daddy. And I was like, man, my daddy don't know nothing. And me and my daddy had a large rift, and it wasn't but a matter of time that everything my daddy told me would transpire did. And I found myself dragging myself back feeling all sad and blue. My daddy told me, hey, it's all right, son. I was just trying to tell you what I told you, but you wasn't trying to hear it. So, you know, that's your business. Lick Moon came on home. It dawned on me then, it's clear to me now as an adult, that I would have had a lot easier time if I would have just listened to the warnings. You know, sometimes folks are really trying to help you. Well, what are they trying to help you from? They're trying to help you from yourself. Uh, because sometimes the worst problem you've got in your life is yourself. Jesus knows that the people need to be warned about the Pharisees. Uh, they need to be warned. You should ask, well, well, why is that? Why do the people need to be warned? Well, my brothers and my sisters, the people need to be warned. They need to be warned because, and I don't want you to miss this fact, they need to be warned because the Pharisees looked right. They looked right. I mean, if you looked at them, if you watched them, those are the guys that you'd say, you know what, I want to be like them. That was the problem. The problem is Jesus knew that he saw what they could not see. And because he saw what they could not see, he knew why they were asking him the questions. To the audience, it looks like intellectual dialogue. To Christ, he knows better. So he then, y'all ain't got nothing else? Anybody got a question? Y'all good? Y'all all right? Okay, good. Now let me tell y'all about these folk right here. He transitions because what he wants them to see is that these individuals have more going on than what meets the eye. Matthew 23, y'all turn there with me. Oh, y'all should already be there. We're looking together at verse number one. If y'all there with me, say amen. Uh, verse number one, the Bible says, then Jesus spoke to the multitude. All right, now y'all done? Good. To everybody listening, now Jesus transitions the conversation, and the Bible says that Jesus spoke to the multitude. And what does he tell the multitude? Uh, verse number one, the Bible says, uh, Then Jesus spoke to the multitude, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. In other words, when they talk to you about the law, that's my law. You do what I say. But here's where he throws the crowd into a head scratch. But do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. The crowd now is hearing something that is intriguing because our religious leaders are the Pharisees, the scribes, these individuals, they are the interpreters of the oral law. And Jesus says, I got a news flash. Just because they stand before you and call themselves deliverers of the word does not necessarily mean that they are living by the word, nor does it mean that they are honestly teaching the word of God. 
He goes a step further. Watch him in the next verse. He says, for listen, they, here's what they do. They bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders. The Bible says, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. They'll tell you what to do, but they won't do that stuff themselves. And you are impressed with them because you hear what they tell you do, but I'm urging you not just to listen to what they say, but to watch how they live. And Jesus says, if you just watch how they live, you'll see that the words that they say don't mean and agree with the lifestyle that they have. He says they won't move it with their fingers. But all their works they do, when they do do something, why are they doing it? Y'all don't miss this now. He says they do it to be seen by men. That is, they won't do nothing. But if they're doing what they're doing, they're doing it for a good reason. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about more than you're letting on. You know that person at the office? Yeah, some of y'all know y'all that person at the office too, huh? You know that person at the office? I don't be doing no work. Always talking. Always getting coffee after coffee after coffee. Stand at your cubicle talking to you like you got all day to be here. Like, like, like we ain't collecting the same check and you over here talking to me. Boy, some of y'all look like I done touched you in here. Some of y'all look like you're guilty right now. Yeah, they, they over there talking to you at your cubicle like we ain't got work to do. And, 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 but you know what? You want to see that person change up. You let them see the boss coming from a few yards away. Boy, they pop to it. Boy, they somewhere. Uh, they, they at the fax machine. They, they pushing numbers. They ain't, ain't sending nothing nowhere. They, they getting in there. Good, good, good to see you. Good to see you. All right, all right. You know, working hard. Amen. Uh, you know, ooh, just weaving the sweat off my brow. Hey, man, good to see you. Uh, we're going to get the reports to you in about an hour. Me, 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 me and James, we were going to report. We're getting the reports to you in about an hour. And you looking at this joker like, man, that's a fraud right there. That's a fraud right there. Because you know you ain't in here working. Only reason why you acting like you're working is because he came around. Because if he wasn't here, you know you'd be doing what you're doing anyway. Jesus says, you know what? That's how the scribes act. But all their works, someone say works. All their works they do to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments, the passage in Deuteronomy where Christ talks about how we ought to talk to our children when they're awake and talk to them when they lay down and talk to them on the way and talk to them in the house and bind it upon their foreheads. Well, they took that passage literally and with no direction, no, no commandment from the law, they literally made these phylacteries and these are bands with these little leather boxes that you keep scriptures on the inside. And they'd wear these scriptures on their head so it looks like I got the word on my mind. Y'all see that? Ain't that, ain't that something? 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 I wish I was playing. I wish I was playing. But y'all, that's exactly what that is. Uh, in addition to that, the Bible talks about how they enlarged the borders of their garments. This too was in keeping. The Lord had challenged Moses to tell the children of Israel that they should put tassels on the four corners of their garments. And they would put tassels on the four corners of them garments to remind themselves to adhere to the word of God. Yes. Look throughout Genesis through Malachi. There is no directive for God that you should carry boxes of scriptures on your forehead. There is none whatsoever. But you would be surprised how oftentimes we do things just to seem religious. 
I'm going to keep going. He says, listen, they make their phylacteries broad, enlarge the border of their garments. Listen, they love the best seats at the feast, the best seats in the synagogues. Uh, It goes on further to say uh, they love uh, greetings in the marketplace and to be called, watch them in the next verse, they love greetings in the marketplace and they love to be called rabbi by men. It was something about uh, just, just being known as somebody. That's what made them something. Well, the Lord has an issue because God is essentially saying that's a part of the problem. So what you'll find is uh, starting at chapter 23 and verse number 13, he begins a series of seven woes. Now, I want to tell you uh, that when he issues these, he's issuing them as a warning to the people, but he's also issuing it out of love for the Pharisees. Uh, I didn't get no amen on that. Um, you, you, you want me to tell you the friend that loves you the most? The friend that'll tell you when you're wrong. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm at a place in my life where I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't want people around me that's just going to hype me up. If, if I'm dead wrong, tell me. That's, that's why I love Sister Jones, because Sister Jones is a professional <laughs> at telling me when I'm wrong. She, she's not going to let me marinate in my wrongness too long. She is going to let me know, brother, listen, I don't know what you think this is or who you think I am, <laughs> but we're not doing that. Yeah, that, that kind of, those kind of people will bless your life. If y'all get that, say amen. He goes through a series of seven woes starting in verse number 13. But the one that I find most profound is in verse number 25. Verse number 25, we come back full circle, and that's what brings us to our passage. You'll remember Matthew chapter 23, verse number 25. The Bible says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. What is he saying? Hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self indulgence. Now, now here's a couple of things to know as you watch this passage. Number one, uh, the dish is not literal. This is not literal. Um, And it's not literal for two reasons. Uh, Number one, if you remember just a short while ago, chapter 15, verses 1 through 20, Jesus just got finished dealing with the fact that cleansing uh, and, 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 and commandments aren't bound one and the same. You'll remember just a short, a few chapters ago, uh, the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees came to him and said, listen, your disciples don't wash their hands before they eat. Now, I'm not going to tell you that's a good thing to do. That's a very good thing to do. But Jesus says, you know what, if I had to figure what's more wrong, the fact that they don't wash their hands or the fact that y'all don't do what I say, in my word, what y'all do in, in, in disrespect to my word, that's the greater problem. He even goes on a little bit further. He says, it's not what goes in the mouth of a man that defiles a man. It's what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the Bible says, the Bible says uh, that essentially uh, the words of a man serve as the indicator of his heart. Yeah, you can tell the way of, where, where a person's at by some of the stuff that come out of their mouth. That's the reason why in the heat of battle, it's best for you to walk away. Because you'll end up saying something. 
And then what you try to say is, oh, I didn't mean that. No, 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 no. That's exactly what you meant. No, 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 that's exactly, exactly what you meant. That's the reason why the Bible says be swift to hear. Yeah, yeah, just shut your mouth, just shut your mouth and think and think because what comes out of your mouth will tell on you. If y'all get that, say amen. So the, the glass is not literal for two reasons. Number one, Jesus has already made clear that cleansing is not the business that he's in, especially on tangible things. And number two, well, you've got to look at what's inside of the cup or the dish. Those are intangibles. You can't put that in a dish. So the dish is not literal. The dish is proverbial. It is used as an illustration. Jesus gives us the dish because he wants us to consider something about what's on the inside. The dish is not a dish. The dish is the Pharisees. He says, y'all make sure to clean up the outside. Outside look real nice. But inside, the two things in the dish are mind-blowing, church. Inside the dish is extortion and self-indulgence. That combination is deadly and it's telling. That combination reveals a lot about who we are as people. First off, extortion. Uh, by proper definition, this is violent greed. This is an excessive and violent desire to acquire possessions more, especially more material wealth than one needs or deserves. That same word, uh, the same parable is spoken of in Luke chapter 11 and verse number 39. There it doesn't say extortion. There it says literally full of greed. That is, they want what they want when they want what they want. But then you combine that violent measure of greed, that all I want is what I want, and I want what I want, when I want it, how I want it. You combine that with self-indulgence, and you've got a serious problem because self-indulgence, my brothers and sisters, is wantonness. And wantonness is essentially the trait of lacking restraint or self-control. That is, I want what I want what I want, and I'm going to do anything to get what I want. And I can't even stop myself. I know it ain't good, but I want it. I, 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 know, I know if I, if I drink it, it's going to be bad, but I want it. I know if I go with them, it's going to be a problem, but I want it. I know if I steal this thing, it could, I could get in some trouble, but I want it. You know what? If I lie on her, you know what? It's going to really put her in some trouble, but I want to lie on her. It's when we do things because we want to do things, even though we know if we do these things, these things aren't good. We know that if, if we had our right mind, we'd tell ourselves, don't do this. But we're not in our right mind. That's the reason why the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thine and lean not unto thine. Because, see, my greatest problem ain't my enemies. Nope. I got a hedge around me. God's got an awesome hedge around me. My problem is what's in the hedge already. And what's in the hedge already? I'm in the hedge already. I'm my own problem. If anybody gets Kevin in trouble, nobody gets Kevin in trouble quite like Kevin. And if everybody's honest in here, no one gets us in trouble quite like us. If y'all know what I'm talking about, say amen. 
Church, the combination, the combination of these two, it's very telling. The combination of the two is deadly. In other words, you do what you want, when you want, to get what you want, how you want, all the while looking the way you want to be seen. So Jesus says, all that's on the inside of the dish, but nobody sees that part. What they see is the nice dish. You know, it's, 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 it's kind of like uh, when you're seated, right, you're seated in a restaurant and, 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 and the waiter or the waitress comes by and they've got the platter up like this, y'all know what I'm talking about, and that thing looks so good and you can hear it sizzling somebody's tortillas and fajitas, boy, them, them boys acting bad and that thing, and they just walk by. Well, you don't, you don't know anything until it comes down. Right now, all you got is the look. You know, you sit with the right people, they get on your nerves. They'll say, our food's coming. That ain't our food. Our food's coming. That ain't our food. Look, just shut up. It'll be here when it get here. Like, chill out, for real. But they, 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 just, they just can't wait for that thing. But you don't know that's our food. You're just looking at the outside of the dish. But when she brings it down to eye level and fold out that little tri-deck, y'all know what I'm talking about, that thing with the two ribbons on it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Fold that thing out, lay it on there, and then start issuing plates out. That's when you know. But until then, all you see is on the outside. And the problem with that is that if you don't see what's on the inside, you never really know what's going on. So Jesus' issue with him is that all people see is what's on the inside. And what's on the inside has worked with them in such a way that they'll do anything to get what they want. That's the reason why one of the woes in verse number 14, y'all look at verse number 14, one of the woes looks a little bit like this. Chapter 23, verse number 14, the Bible says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, calls them again, for you devour widows' houses, and for pretense, for show, you make long prayers. Therefore, you will receive greater condemnation. You know, uh, uh, theologians are kind of tied on what that means by devour widows' houses. Uh, we don't believe it to be sexual immorality. There is no heightened record of sexual immorality. But what we do see from them is this excessive need of greed. And what it probably looks like is that they go to these widows' houses and they exercise and they, 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 they do so many good things. They're, oh, bless you. Listen, let me put a little money in. Well, you know, sister, you don't have to. But if you give us a little something, we'll take a blessing. And, you know, they're just, all right, if we just hit enough of these widows and just keep loving on them. They'll just keep lining our pockets. And Jesus said, what you're doing is you're not even taking care of them. You're just going over there to exploit them. And you act like you're very religious because you want from them. And Jesus says, doing that, you'll receive the greater condemnation. The problem here, the problem here is that the heart has lost sight. Let's talk the remedy. Verse number 26, y'all look there with me if you will. Verse number 26. Matthew chapter 23, verse number 26, we already see in verse number 25, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. He says two words before he starts the remedy. He says, blind Pharisees. Blind Pharisees. First cleanse the inside of the cup that the outside, that the outside of them may be clean also. He calls them blind. Someone say blind. blind. He's talking about blind. He's not talking about their inability to see. Uh, this is an adjective. It, it, it literally deals with uh, their inability to perceive or understand. He's not talking about blind with physical eye. He's talking about blindness of the mind. You see, before he provides the answer, he demonstrates why they aren't able to hear it. 
We've heard that before. Mama would say something like, you know what, I'm going to tell you something. And this won't make no sense to you till you're grown. That is, I'm going to tell you what you need to hear, but you ain't even going to really register it until you get older. And when you get older, you'll remember what I said, and you'll say, you know, my mama was right. That's the worst feeling in the world, amen, all by myself. But it's the best feeling in the world at the same time. He says, I'm telling you that I'm going to give you the answer, but you're so clogged up here that you're not even going to hear it. I'm literally going to help y'all fix your own problem, but you won't hear what I'm saying. He says, first, someone say first. First, cleanse the inside. Why cleanse the inside? Because that's the root of the problem. That's the reason why you're blind. It's because you're not clean on the inside. And oftentimes, Christians, we do, we put in overtime trying to look right on the outside. But if we would just put in overtime to look right on the inside, the outside would get clean automatically. You know, it, 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 it is, it, it's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, my, my, my kids, whom I love dearly, my, my, my kids, they, uh, they like taking little snacks in the room and whatnot. And I tell them, don't take no snacks in your room, because I'm telling you right now, you're going to mess around and something's going to crawl in there on you one day. Well, um, you know, uh, uh, that, that gets Jaleel more nervous than KJ. KJ, he's, he's friends with the bugs, but that's a whole nother level. Uh, um, but, uh, and I pray he grows out of that is all I'm saying. Uh, but, 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 but I tell him, I tell him, listen, you don't have to worry about problems on the outside if you just keep it right on the inside. Because a bug don't want to be in no house. He loves the outdoors. But he can't help himself if there's food somewhere. He's trying to get where the food is at. So if you keep the inside right, the outside ain't going to be a problem to you. Jesus tells him to clean the inside. Why does he want him to clean the inside? Because if you clean up the inside, literally, he's helping them to see something powerful. Watch what he's showing us now. If we clean the inside, clean the inside first, because that's where the problem lies. And he demonstrates this to us in a powerful way in 2 Peter chapter 1. Y'all run there. Time ain't my friend. Y'all run there. 2 Peter chapter 1. Uh, I don't think I'm going to have time to give you the entirety, uh, but I want to give you some good points. 2 Peter chapter 1. Uh, I'm going to jump down to verse number 4. He says, listen, by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises that through these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having, this is good news, escape the corruption that is in this world through lust, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Someone say add. That is, having faith in God is not enough. Add to your faith virtue. To your virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To knowledge, self-control. To knowledge, self-control. Uh, to knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance, don't quit. To perseverance, godliness, honor him. To godliness, brotherly kindness, that is take care of each other. To brotherly kindness, love, that's agape, unconditionally affectionate for me. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful. God says, if you just build on that, 
If you just do that, you don't have to have a lot of money. You don't have to have a lot of education. But if you'll just have that, God says he'll use that as a platform to bless you. If y'all get that, say amen. But watch what he says going further. He says, listen, for he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness. That is, if I don't ever get love, and if I don't ever learn how to be kind to folk, and if I don't ever learn self-control, the word of God will never permeate my mind. Why? Because I'm not controlled by the spirit. I'm controlled by my own selfish desires. And that's the reason why we say things like, you know what, this don't make no sense to me. And I don't understand this. Because God told us, and he's our creator. He's literally the Steve Jobs to the iPad that we are. And he told us, listen, the spirit and the flesh, they ain't never going to get along. No matter how hard you try, they're always going to fight against each other. If y'all see that, say amen. So he helps us in a big way. He helps us in a big way. Watch him as he goes a little bit further. He tells them, listen, I'm going to give you undeserving sight. That is, I'm going to help you to see because he's telling them he's blind. This is how I know the Lord loves them. God says, I've been talking in parables this whole time, talking about cups and dishes, and I know you think it's over your head. Y'all don't think I'm talking about you, so I'm going to try to get real close to you. I'm going to try to get real close to you. Watch him as he helps them. Look at verse number 27. Watch him in verse number 27. Uh, verse number 27, the Bible says, watch these words, Matthew chapter 23, verse number 27. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, for you, he identifies them, tells them you, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones. The Lord says, maybe they still don't get it. I'm, I'm going to help them because I love them. All right, let me get straight to the point. He goes to verse number 28. Verse number 28, the Bible says, Jesus said, you know what? Forget talking about plates and forget talking about graves. I'm going to just tell you like it is. Even so, you also outwardly appear to be righteous men. But inside, y'all full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Jesus leaves the talking in parables, gets straight to the point. I want y'all to hear this. You are the problem. Well, why does he do that? My brothers and my sisters, he does it for a reason. Listen, uh, this, this, my brothers and sisters, is problematic because Christ demonstrates that they have been so consumed with looking right that they've literally abandoned the need to live right. Don't miss it now. They've become so consumed with looking right that they've abandoned the need to live right. In doing so, they've abandoned the most important thing to see the least important, both of which are important but mean nothing without the most important. I put up there Matthew 23, verses 23 through 24, time's not my friend, but essentially in verse number 23, he says, y'all care more about spices than you care about doing right. Like y'all make sure that you do what you're right. supposed to do by your spices, but you won't do right by your brothers. Like... Like, like God needs some of your oregano. Come on now. No, he's not hurting for no oregano. What's the point? I'm out of time, y'all. Listen, pharisaical mentality number three. Someone say number three. Any mindset that causes a Christian to become more concerned with looking right on the outside without striving to live right on the inside. If I'm more concerned with hiding my real self from you then I've missed it. And I might as well just stay at home and not even come to church if that's what we're doing. 
consider the calling, my brothers and my sisters, so many things that can plague us, so many things that we find that are, that are just overwhelming in our lives, things that are uh, just heavy in our hearts, things that people don't see about us, they don't see in the midst of us, they don't see around us, but these are some real world things that are going on in our lives. And what we've got to ask ourselves is ask yourself, what are the real wrongs that you're hiding behind the fake right? Is there any of this that if it ever came to the forefront and people were to know that, see that, 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 that it would change their visual of you? I don't say that to any of our shame. I'm just saying that the Lord is saying, that's my problem with the Pharisees, is that they cared more about the show than about being honest. And God says, y'all act like I don't know your heart. You act like, I don't, like, like I'm not with you when you're doing what you're doing. Do I have jealousy in my heart? Am I angry when I see other people doing well and I'm, I'm mad because I'm not doing what they're doing? Do I have bitterness? Do I have wrath or anger in my life? I'm, I'm so just sick of people. All I want to do is see them hurt and wrong. Do I have hatred in my heart, sexual immorality, deceit? Whatever this is, God is calling us to do better and live better. If y'all get that, say amen. amen. God is calling us and challenging us to, listen, make the necessary changes in our lives so that outside radiates him because of the inside. Keep in mind, we can't hide who we are from him because he knows our hearts. If y'all get that, say amen. I'm, I'm, I'm sprinting now, y'all. I'm sprinting. Uh, a couple of things I want to give you before I get out of here. Number one, remember our mission. Our mission is to glorify God as an authentic light. God don't need no fake light. God don't need no fake light. God created the sun. He don't need no fake light. What God needs is real light. And to have a real light, we got to live an honest life. That is... If you're not right at home, but you're right in here, it's pointless. Dear God, please remove any pharisaical tendencies from our heart. Grant us a mind to confess, correct, and abandon all the sins that deprive us from an honest and sincere life with you. In Jesus' name, amen. My brothers and my sisters, we are all out of time and, I, and I, I'm always just grateful to have a chance to connect with you all. I'm, I'm, I'm beyond appreciative for just your time and your attention. This wraps up this series of our study. If it's been helpful to you, say amen. Uh, what have we learned from studying the Pharisees? I'll tell you what we learned. We learned a couple things. You'll remember we learned his word and our ways. And what that is is don't ever, don't ever give yourself an excuse as to why you should not be doing what God has called you to do. There's no good excuse. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, there's no good excuse. Next, we learn from the Pharisees that I can never start acting like I'm better than anybody. I don't care what criminal record you have. I don't care how many tattoos you got. I don't care what you wear. I don't care what you do. I don't care where you've been. If you, are, if you have a pulse, you need God in your life. And if I connect with you, I'm supposed to help you to see God. If y'all get that, say amen. And last but not least, my brothers and my sisters, it makes no sense for you to live your life trying to impress the people around you and insult the God above you. Don't you know on the last day, I ain't got no say-so in what you do. I'm going to say, Lord, but you know, sister, so-and-so, brother, so-and-so, man, they were so good. He said, that's what you saw, Kevin. But I'm going to tell you, I saw them when you didn't see them. And let me tell you, they weren't what you thought they were. My brothers and my sisters, um, I pray that everyone knows the greatest decision made in our lives is to give our life to Christ. We come by hearing his word, believing it to be true, repenting of our sins, confessing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, being buried in the water of grave of baptism. 
rise to walk a new life, live faithful unto God. He promised to give us his crown of life. Maybe just maybe you're here tonight and you got some things you need to pray about. You want to ask God to clean you up on the outside and on the inside. If you know that's good news, say amen. amen. Well, let me tell you, the Bible says in 1 John 1 and 9 that if we simply confess our faults, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If anyone needs to respond, won't you do so right now as we together stand and sing. Jesus, we're depending on your will. Jesus, we're depending on your will.